love, love them. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelations chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 2. And uh, I want to read beginning with verse number 1. And uh, we're going to read a few verses here. We're going to read five verses. The Bible says in Revelation 2, 1, it's interesting because these are the words of Jesus. But they are the words of Jesus after he had already ascended to heaven. So he is sending a message to the church after he ascended to heaven. Now, if you, if you have a red letter edition Bible, you notice that this is in red letter because it is the words of Jesus, but not the words that he spoke while he was actually here in the flesh. So let's listen to what Jesus says to this particular church in Ephesus. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience, for my name's sake hast labored and is not fainted. So up to here, Jesus is saying to this church, I have seen the fact that you work hard and that you're diligent about staying true to the doctrine of Scripture. I know that you're patient. And uh, I know that you have discernment. But, verse 4 says, Nevertheless, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Jesus says to this church, I've got something against you because you left your first love. Verse 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. I want you to notice here that despite all the positive things that Jesus has to say to this church, he says the absence of your first love is so significant that if you don't return back to that first love, then I'm going to remove your candlestick. Everybody recognize that that's pretty serious. This is pretty significant. This is not just something irrelevant or trivial. This is significant. And I want to speak for a few moments this afternoon on something the Lord laid in my heart for Life Church. And uh, my subject is kind of an incomplete thought. My title is an incomplete thought. And through the ministry of the word, we're going to complete the thought. So an incomplete thought sometimes, an incomplete sentence, will be finished with something called an ellipsis. Anybody know what an ellipsis is? It's like three periods in a row. And so my title today is, You Know You're in Love When. You know you're in love when. Now, the reason that this is important is because you got to make sure that you've got your first love. You can't just assume. I'm sure that the church of Ephesus thought that they were okay. But Jesus said to them, you're not okay, and you got to return to your first love. That's why I'm preaching this today to you as an individual and to us as a church. Because we've got to make sure that we know that we're in love. That we know that our uh, 
relationship with Jesus is a passionate, focused love relationship because we can't afford to just assume that it is. We got to know we're in love. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, we thank you today for the anointing of your spirit. We thank you for what you've already done in this place. And we pray, Jesus, that over the next few moments that your will would be accomplished, that great and mighty things would happen, that our hearts and our minds would be impacted by the word of the Lord, Jesus. I pray in the name of the Lord God that you would accomplish your purpose today. Let me speak what you've laid on my heart, then let me get out of the way and let the spirit do what it will. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said amen. If there's anybody that's glad here that God left us the Bible, would you clap your hands right now and thank God for his word. See, if he hadn't left us the Bible, it would be just a lot of guesswork. We'd have to just try to figure it out and find out. But he left us the word of God. And in the Bible, there is a word that is very, very important. It's significant because it appears a lot of times. And it's significant because the Bible gives significance to this word. And that word is what's translated into the English as love. Everybody say love. And if you uh, read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul takes a whole chapter to talk about the preeminence, the significance, and the importance of love. Some of you may remember it says, if, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And uh, uh, if I surrender my body to the flames, if I make all these sacrifices and all this commitment but have not love, it is lacking in value. And finally it says, so there uh, uh, remaineth faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So I want to tell you today that the Bible makes clear through the Apostle Paul that love is even more important than faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So can we all agree right now that based on the Word of God, just this passage alone, we recognize the preeminence and the importance of love. If you're still unconvinced because I didn't hear anything from you, the Bible says that they came to Jesus and asked Him, what's the most important commandment in the law? And Jesus said, the most important commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments, Jesus was saying. You can fulfill all the law and prophets if you get a hold of this. So the first and most important thing that Jesus said is that you love the Lord with all your heart. Amen? So maybe you're starting to get the point now that in this book called the Bible, there is a preeminence given to the idea of, number one, of love, but number two, the focus of our love being on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can we put our hands together if we agree with that right now? Now, when we look at the Old Testament and even the New Testament, the most common metaphor of love used to describe the picture of the relationship that God wants to have with you is the metaphor of a romantic love. I wonder why that is, a romantic love. Whether it's an espoused woman, a woman that is uh, uh, a fiancé 
to the one that she is in love with, or even a husband and a wife. In the Old Testament, you see over and over again this metaphor of God as the husband and Israel as the unfaithful wife that keeps cheating on her husband. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 11 and 2, it says, For I have, uh, the Apostle Paul says about the church, I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So this idea of a romantic relationship being the type of love that we have for God is the picture, the closest picture that we have in this world of the type of devotion and passion that we should have for God. Have you ever wondered why he would use this metaphor? Why is this the most frequent metaphor used to describe the love of God for us? In our world, I think this may be an answer, in our world, the relationship that we are most passionate about pursuing is a romantic relationship. It hits us deep in our emotions and in our heart. We are surrounded on every side by messages that emphasize romantic love, pursuing love, looking for that one and finding that one. There is an innumerable number of books that are written about pursuing romantic love. Poetry, poem after poem after poem, written about Romantic love. Are you guys with me right now? You understand what I'm saying here? Art that is drawn and uh, uh, made, constructed, sculpted about the pursuit of love. Movie after movie after romantic comedy after movie after romantic story after drama about the pursuit or loss of romantic love. And almost every single song you hear on the radio, whether it's country or hard rock or rap music, almost every one of them is about this idea of finding and pursuing and getting your heart broken and looking for love and finding love. Dolly Parton said it first, and uh, uh, the song was, uh, I will always, always, always love you. And then Whitney Houston came and sang this song, uh, one of the most popular songs ever sung. And if I got started, I would run out of time, amen, because there are so many songs in our culture that talk about how important and significant uh, this pursuit uh, of romantic love is. So, if, I ask, if we ask why this metaphor used, it is the one that most effectively uh, perhaps communicates uh, the deepest kind of love that we can comprehend. But I want to tell you that the relationship that God wants to have with you is even much deeper and much richer than the love that is a romantic love between a man and a woman who are in love. In the verse of scripture that I read you in Ephesians, we see that Jesus was unhappy with the Ephesian church because they had left their first love. They had lost this initial passion, romantic pursuit, if you would, of God that they had once had. Something had happened. Perhaps they had drifted apart. Perhaps they had grown apart. Reality is the church in Ephesus, members in the church, had become spiritually apathetic and they didn't even realize it. See, this is significant and important because being right with God requires that we are pursuing after Him 
in love. If we're not pursuing after Jesus Christ in love, we're probably not going to end up being right with him. Uh-huh. It's not a matter of just joining a church. It's not even a matter of being faithful to a church assembly. It's not a matter of making a confession or speaking a word of faith. There has to be something in your heart that is triggered with fascination and passion and love for Jesus Christ. One of the scariest verses in all of Scripture is in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22. This is scary to believers, I would think, because it makes us make sure that we're in love. It says, many will say to me in the last day, Lord, many will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name have done many wonderful works. Number 23, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, or you guys that do sinful actions. This is what the Bible says. Jesus Christ said, in the last days, many will come and say, we've cast out evil spirits, we've done many wonderful works, we've prophesied, a lot of these wonderful things have happened. And Jesus will say, I never knew you, depart from me. Now what does that mean? We understand that Jesus knows everybody. In fact, he knows how many hairs you have on your head. So it's not about not recognizing the person or not having any kind of a understanding of who they are. But when you look at this word, this is the same exact concept or idea in Genesis when the Bible says that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and then what happened? A baby was born. We're going to keep it G-rated today, but the reality is knowing in this sense is about intimacy. It's about closeness. It's about openness. It's about having this intimate level of understanding. This is important. I want you to get this verse right now because I've thought about this verse. I've thought a lot about this verse, and here's basically all I can come up with is that there are people who like the gifts of the Spirit and are interested in the power of the Holy Ghost and are interested in seeing God do powerful things and prophesying and being used of God to do works of God, but they're not that interested in finding out what he likes and who he really is. Let me read the verses of Scripture that talk about the power that I have in God. But when it starts telling me what God likes about my life and doesn't like about my life, I just don't want to talk about those verses. Let's just ignore those verses. I'm being straight with you, right? I can't think of any other plausible interpretation of the Scripture other than to say that there are going to be people in the end that walk before the judgment seat who have been interested in the gifts and the operation of the Spirit but weren't interested in finding out what Jesus really likes and what matters to Him and what is important to Him. Do you know that Jesus left us pretty explicit love letters? It's called the Bible. And there are too many people who aren't interested in studying the Bible. They're just interested in the candy that comes with the display and the demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit. Please understand, I am not 
downgrading the importance of the gifts of the Spirit. You read the, the, the New Testament, it's full of it. And the New Testament church in 2014 ought to be full of it too. But the problem is the Bible says in the last days, there's going to be a lot of people who are interested in that, but not interested in finding out what God really wants out of them. You're like, well, you got somebody interested in you. they got a lot of power and influence. They're able to do great things. And you're interested in what they're able to do for you and how you're able to exercise that authority on your behalf. And so you get their bank account number and you use their name and you get their signature and you're able to use it. But you don't want to bother to spend time finding out what kind of food they like and how they want to, uh, you to live and what makes them happy and what makes them mad. I'm talking about getting intimate and getting to know the Lord. Because what I've found is there's a lot of people that want to show up for a miracle healing service, but not too many want, people want to show up for Bible study. How in the world else are you going to find out what God likes if you're not interested in getting into His Word and finding out? See, there's a lot of things the Bible has to say that people are uncomfortable with even talking about or even getting into or even addressing or even opening up because it might be offensive. The, the issue is we've got to find out what God likes because we want closeness and intimacy with Him. It's not enough for me just to be able to operate in the gifts of the Spirit and then i got a bunch of sin in my life and I don't even realize it. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's why the Word of God is important. We've got to get into the Word of God and find out how God wants us to live our lives. Can you praise God right now? Amen. Is this the truth I'm speaking today? The most important question is how can I be sure that I'm in love with Him versus taking advantage of His power or just coming to church or serving him out of obligation, out of routine, because I inherited it from my mom and dad, because this is just the way to do things, how can I know, how can I know that I'm in love with God? How can I know that perhaps maybe I've grown apart or I've drifted in my relationship with him gradually over time and I need to get it right with God? The question is, how do you know that you're in love. I'm asking you an important question. We're asking a rhetorical important question. We're going to answer it too. How do you know that you're in love? And that brings me to my title. You know you're in love when? I got four points. You guys got time? Four points. Number one, you know you're in love when? Break up with your ex. Let, let me give you an example here. I want you to imagine this story with me. There's a young lady who has a boyfriend. For whatever reason, he caught her attention. She fell in love. He was exciting. He was mysterious. He was kind of what you would call a bad boy. You know the bad boy appeal. Party animal. Gangbanger. He was bad. Y'all with me? 
downside was he was a little unpredictable, undependable, unfaithful, abusive at times, a little bit of a stalker. Guys with me now? She knew that he was taking her life in a dangerous and destructive direction. And there's a wise friend that sat down with her and said, Girlfriend, I'm going to be straight with you right now. You know and I know that he's bad for you. He's making a mess of your life. He's taking you in the complete wrong direction. But I got the picture now. Finally, somewhere one day, someone else catches her attention. This is a good guy. He's responsible. He's successful. He's affectionate. He is attentive. He is respectful. And all of a sudden she says, I think I'm falling in love with this new guy. I like the way he treats me. I like the way he makes me feel. I'm excited about my life's new direction. Falling in love with this guy. And then the wise girlfriend comes back around again, puts her arm around her and says, Girl, I got to agree with you. I think he's the one for you. In fact, I really believe he loves you. I can tell. But make no mistake about this. He's not going to put up with you remaining connected to your old boyfriend. So if you like this guy, <laughs> you got to totally break it off with your ex. And you know you're in love when you're willing to completely break up with your ex. There was a great philosopher many years ago that shared with us a problem with this reality. And let me read, let me quote for you the problem with this reality that this philosopher said. The problem is, to do-do down, doobie, do down, down, comma, comma, down, doobie, do down, down, comma, comma. Sarah, maybe you can help me with this. I'm having a problem here. Let's see what, let's see what he has to say. Do 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 down do be do down down comma comma down do be do down down comma comma down do be do down down breaking up is hard to do don't take your love away from me don't you leave my heart in misery if you go See, that's the problem right there. Breaking up is a challenge. But you know that you're in love with Jesus when you're ready to fully break up with your ex. Amen. Can you put your hands together if you believe that right now? So my question now to you is, who is your ex? Who, who is your ex that we're talking about. 
Who do you think it is? A lot of people say, well, the devil. I broke up with the devil. Now I'm in love with Jesus. You mean to tell me you still love the devil? I mean, seriously, did you love the devil? Does anybody love the devil? I know there's a few bizarre freako Satan worshipers somewhere, you know, that hanging pentagrams and all that. But most people never would admit or say that they love the devil. Guess what? Your ex was not the devil. Never one time in the Bible are you commanded to love not the devil. God doesn't feel any threat in terms of your affection as far as the devil is concerned. So let's see who our ex is. 1 John 2.14. 1 John 2.14 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The one place in the Bible where we're commanded to love not is when the Bible says, love not the world. So when you fell in love with Jesus, you had to break up with your ex. And your ex was not the devil. Your ex was the world. And you know you're in love when you're fully ready to break it off with your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. So you may be saying, well, what are you talking about? What, the world. Am I supposed to? You mean I used to love the globe? I mean, are you talking about every material item that was what I was in love with? What am I supposed to break up with? Let's read Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. The Bible says God changed you. Anybody glad you've been changed? Wherein, verse 2, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world. That's your old boyfriend, girlfriend. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we uh, all had our conversation in times past. Conversation doesn't mean talking to somebody, it means lifestyle. Everybody with me? Our conversation was our lifestyle in times past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if you want to know what the world is that you're not supposed to love, when you look at this passage, it says you all used to have the same lifestyle, and this lifestyle was about the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the mind. This is your ex. This is the world. What is the world? The world is the world system with its values, its priorities, its pursuits. And if you're going to fall in love with Jesus, you got to break up with the world. I don't know how much more plain I can make it. 
And see, the problem is why, why many people struggle in their relationship with God is they want to start this new love relationship with Jesus Christ, but they want to continue the exciting relationship that they used to have with the world, even though they know it made a mess and it abused them and messed them up. But the wisest thing that you can ever do is make a decision that I'm through with the old life. I'm through with the, the desires of the flesh that used to control me. I'm through, amen, letting the, the passions of this world set my priorities and my values and my direction in my life. I'm ready to break up with my ex because I'm in love with Jesus, amen. And, and just to be clear here, your ex had certain values and priorities. Your new love has different, very different values and priorities. If you are in love, you become a student of your love interest. Do I have any amens from the brothers in the house and the sisters in the house that know what I'm talking about? You find out what they like, what they don't like. Can I get an amen? You find out what trips their trigger. You find out what things to stay away from in conversation. Anybody ever said something before, and after you said it, you realize that's the last time I'm going to ever say that to her again. You become a lifetime student of that person. Because it's your job, amen, it becomes your job to say, I want this young lady to be happy. Pastor Model, what did Brother Hodges tell you when you got ready to marry Amber? What did he tell you? Say it loud. Keep her smiling. He said, if she's smiling, I know you're doing your job. If she's not smiling, I'm going to show up and say, let's work on this now. Amen. Because we become a lifetime student of the one that we are in love with. You've got to be willing to learn about the values and the priorities of your new love. That's why it kind of bothers me. I'll just be honest. I'm a pastor now, okay? Right now I'm a pastor. I'm not a politician. I'm a pastor. It bothers me when I can't get people to go through life habits. Don't say, man, that's fine. <laughs> you want to come to church and enjoy the music, but you're not interested in finding out what the love letter of God says about what values he has and what priorities are important? Is it tense in here right now just a little bit maybe? Because you need to find out. Because otherwise, I don't mean this word mean, but you're going to be ignorant you're not even going to realize that there are some things in the Word of God that lets us know the heartbeat of God that we will miss out on if all we do is come to church on Sunday. Amen. Amen. You've got to be willing to learn the values and priorities. That's why Bible study is important. That's why getting in the Word of God is important being guided through the principles of the Word of God. I'm talking to some of you and you're finding out now the light's coming on. Well, this is why I've always struggled. This is why I've never been able to be successful in living for God. 
This is why my relationship with God always seems so shallow. you got to get into the book if you want your relationship with God to flourish. Amen. Sunday, Sunday morning religion. Sun, Sunday morning religion. That's like, oh, I'm in love with her, but I'm only going to see her once a week in a crowd of people and look at her across the crowd. Oh, isn't she so pretty? If you love somebody, you want to find out about them. If you love somebody, you want to dig in and discover what are the values. And I know what the values and priorities of my ex were. I know it's all about sex, flesh, stuff, materialism, party, party. If it feels good, do it. That's the values of my ex. How am I going to find out the values of my new love? I've got to get into the Word of God. I've got to study and find out what the Bible says. I've got to allow myself to learn the principles of the Word. And I've seen this. Don't, don't talk to me about that, Pastor. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about that. Don't talk to me about that, Pastor. I don't want to hear about that. Don't, don't talk to me. Don't talk. Let's look at this passage over here, but don't talk to me about that. I don't want to hear about that. I've decided. I don't want to hear about that. Why don't you want to hear about that? It's in the Bible. Uh-huh. It's the Word of God. It's discovering what God has to say about your life. Oh, Pastor, you're getting up in our lives today. I'm not getting up in your lives. I'm bringing the Word into your lives because the Word will bring transformation into your life. And you're going to keep struggling with the same struggles over and over and over again until you find out the passion of your new love. I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about regulations. I'm talking about love. When you fall in love with Jesus, you're going to go after him with everything inside of you and say, let me find out how I can serve and please and make my Savior happy. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Hallelujah. Someone may wonder, why is Life Church a holiness church? Holiness church. On Thursday night, Brother Steele and Life Habits taught about This thing called holiness, which is pursuing a life that is pleasing to God. The Bible says, holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And I know in 2013, a holiness church is out of style. A church that talks about the way that we're supposed to live our life based on the scripture is out of style. And there are lots of other churches that never even talk about that. Let me just say right now, did you know that every church is supposed to be a holiness church? Amen? And there was a time when pretty much every church was a holiness church. Do you know what the word church means? The word church is the Greek word. Anybody know what the Greek word for church is? Ecclesia. Ecclesia is two words. The word, let me get this right here, two words. The word ek, my eyes are not very good here, ek means out. The word kalio, which is where the ecclesia from, means to call. So ecclesia means the called out ones. The ones that are called out from the world. The ones who said, I'm breaking up with my ex so I can follow after Jesus. 
The ones that say, though none go with me, I will follow him. The ones that say, I know there's a lot of people on the broad path, but I'm taking the narrow path because I am called out of this world to please and to serve Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Let me make plain for you the scripture verse. It's not talking about uh, that you go off to a commune somewhere where you have no interaction with the people of the world. But what it means is philosophically, doctrinally, belief-wise, you have got to separate yourself from your ex, which is the world, which you used to love, but you don't love anymore. I've got to separate myself from that mindset. I've got to separate myself from the priorities. I've got to separate myself from the values of this world. Amen. Jesus, I love you. Jesus loves you. But you've got to break up with your ex. You've got to become intimate with Jesus. You've got to pursue after him. You've got to fall in love with Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You can't follow Jesus and keep stealing. You can't follow Jesus and keep lying. You can't follow Jesus. The Bible says these things are not going to be a part of the kingdom of God. You can't follow Jesus and remain as a gambler, a drunk, a gangbanger, sexually active outside of marriage. When you follow Jesus, now I know when you start out, please understand, when you start out, I understand that there are struggles and there are things that have to be brought out of your life gradually as you mature spiritually. But I want to make it clear the end game here. The end game here is you're going to be different from this world. And the end game is you're going to have a life that brings glory to God. And the end game is you're going to live a life that is a testimony to the world of the changing power of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says, the Bible says, come out from among them. Amen. Well, I love Jesus. He loves you. But the reality is if you want the relationship the Bible talks about, you've got to come out. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you look in the passage of Scripture, you discover that the values of this world are lust and the desires of the flesh. If you don't believe this, I don't recommend this, but just turn your TV on for about 20 minutes. Watch about three commercials, and you recognize that the society that we live is an absolute lust, sex-driven culture. Am I speaking truth now? I'm speaking truth. And, and here's the problem. It has been a drift. I saw a video clip. It was amazing from 1939. Just a video clip, color video clip of New York City. I thought about playing for you. And all these people walking around just a summer day in 1939, New York City. I was shocked by the decency and the modesty that was universal. It was just mind-boggling. Well, what's happened? That was a culture 
that was heavily influenced by the Bible. But since that time, there has been a drift in culture further and further and further away from the influence of the Word of God. Until now, people what people wear out in public, they would have gotten put thrown in prison in 1939. Amen. So it's a it's a societal shift. It's a shift in culture. And here's the problem. The problem is, is there are too many, and I'm not going to point fingers and I'm not judging, understand. I'm just making a point here. There are too many churches that have tried to create a relationship with Jesus that allows you to continue to espouse the values of a world that is getting further and further and further away from the word of God. We're talking about, the Bible tells us, you know if you get in the Bible, it tells us how we're supposed to purport ourselves, present ourselves, and act. Amen? Rather than getting a bunch of details, can I tell you right now, if you are a spirit-filled Christian woman, and you like being called sexy or hot, you got a problem. Because if you'll get in the Word of God, you'll discover that that type of language and the type of presentation of self that would produce that kind of language has no place in the life of a God. I'm not just making this up. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. They talked about godliness in the lives, amen, of individuals that decide to commit themselves to walk after Jesus. Amen. Modest. Shamefacedness. What does that mean? Shamefacedness. That means quick to blush, not showing your stuff. Amen. That's what it means. Godly ladies, godly ladies, people that are breaking up from the world have decided, I don't care what my ex like, (laughs) but I'm trying to find out what my new love is interested in. In living my life, in every facet of my life, in my values, in my conversation, the words that I say, the places that I go. I'm talking about when you really fall in love with Jesus, you start going after him. You start having passion for him. You start pursuing after him with everything inside of you. Can I get an amen, somebody? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You know that the internet has broken up many marriages. Facebook is one of the worst culprits. You know why? Why? Because you're on Facebook and you're friending all these people, and all of a sudden a friend request comes from an old flame. (laughs) That one that you always liked in high school but never had the courage to tell her you liked her, and all of a sudden she just friend requested you. And she looks good. And you notice she's divorced. That's how it happens. You understand? That's how it happens. An old flame comes back and starts to get your attention. Maybe you've drifted apart from your spouse. Maybe he hasn't been paying any attention to you seemingly. Maybe you guys have had separate interests. And before long you find yourself connecting with this person online. Amen. That's not what I've come to preach about. But that's dangerous. Amen. That's dangerous. 
and things. I think your spouse should have access to your Facebook account if you've got a Facebook account. Why should you have anything you've got to keep private from your spouse unless you're planning a birthday party for her? Other than that, you should be an open book. But the point that I want to make here today is that sometimes, th this is one thing I know about the world, your ex. Your ex is going to show up again back in your life and try to get you to start recognizing and appreciating the values that they have. And this is what the world does with people who aren't pursuing after Jesus. See what happened? It, nobody ever intended for it to happen. But over the course of time, you get busy, get things going. You're still going to church, but it's almost more out of routine. You'll still raise your hands when they worship, and maybe even a tear will come down. But it's not that passion that used to be there. And before long, the appeal of your ex starts getting a hold of you. I'm not talking out of ignorance here. I'm talking out of many, many, many people that I've seen walk away from the Lord. Amen. And, and they never intended to. But the reality is they fell back in love with their ex. And I want to tell you that you know you're in love with Jesus when you are finished with your ex. And you don't care what he thinks anymore. You don't care how he looks at you. You don't care how he looks at the values that you're living your life under. And the, and the way that you are serving. God, you don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about your ex, the world. He's a stalker. Yeah, he's sitting out in that 1987 Malibu at the curb, watching when you pull up, pulls his hat down low. He's stalking. Amen. He's watching your movement online. He wants to pull you back in. Don't, don't doubt it for a minute, but there's some called out people here in this house that said, I have decided not just to be a part of a church or an organization, but I have decided to follow Jesus. If nobody goes with me, if my whole family decides to go another direction, if my whole church decides to go another direction, it's about my love for Jesus Christ. And I've, de I've, de I've, de I've decided to follow Jesus. Hey, I've got a short time. I've got a short time here. Let me go through two, three, and four real quick. Number two, you know you're in love when you lose all interest in other propositions. You know you're in love when you lose all interest in other propositions. There's one interesting thing that the Bible describes in the Old Testament God as being jealous. Everybody say jealous. He's a jealous God. Well, that seems like a negative characteristic. What does that mean? That would be a bad feature. What does it mean? It means that God is so passionate in his love for you that he will not stand for you having other love interests. Amen. See, one time I, I thought I was in love and I was trying to convince myself that I was in love. I had dated a girl for a long time and we were marrying age and everybody thought we were going to get married and all that. You know, three years, three years, three solid years. And, and so... I, I, I thought I was in love, and I was trying to convince myself that I was in love. 
and uh, now that I look back, I, it was clear to me that there was something missing. There was a lack of chemistry. It just wasn't clicking, whatever you want to say. Even though it was a wonderful person, and I'm a good guy too, but it just wasn't there. And he, you know how I finally found out that I wasn't in love? is because I was still checking out other girls and wondering, what would it be like to go out with them? I wonder what would happen if me and her broke up and I went out with this other person and I became fully convinced and finally had the courage to break up because, amen, because I I recognized that I wasn't really in love. Oh, but when I met Tamara, well, I saw her across the room. I was 27 years of age. I'd given up all hope of finding love. I thought something was wrong with me. I don't know how to have a meaningful relationship with a female. My parents must have messed me up. I tried so hard and I couldn't commit. I have commitment issues. Oh, but when I met Tamara, that night I came home from a, a date. And I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I said, what? I said, I found my wife tonight. He says, great, I've heard that before. I said, no, you don't understand. I have found my wife tonight. Amen. Now, the problem was Tamara hadn't found her husband that night. It took her a few weeks to realize that I was going to be her husband, and I had to put the sales job on. That's my next point here. Let's go to number three. Bump to, bump to number three. Number three, one word, pursuit. You know you are in love when you get that bulldog focus. At going crazy, pursuing the one that you love. Remember, we're talking about how we're supposed to be with Jesus Christ now. Something inside of me said, I'm going after her. I don't care how much money it costs. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care how much my time I'd have to invest. See, my wife lived an eight-hour drive away. This happened more than once while we were dating. I drove eight hours each way. Do I have any mathematicians in the house? Sixteen hours to spend 12 hours with her. Now, that doesn't make any logical sense at all. It's not financially astute. Of course, gas wasn't four bucks a gallon then, but you understand what I'm saying. It didn't make much sense. But I was focused, amen, about pursuing after her. I want to read a a verse of Scripture for you, a couple verses of Scripture uh, in uh, Luke chapter 14 and 26. 26 and 27. 26 has to do with number two. 27 has to do with number three. It says, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. We talked several weeks ago about what does this mean? Does this mean I have to hate my mom and Nana and all them to to be able to follow Jesus? What does it mean? A couple things to understand here. Number one, at that time, there were many people, if they followed Jesus, it would be showing disrespect and hatred to their family who were solid Jews. And so if they were going to wait until mama died before they were willing to get baptized in the name of Jesus, 
Jesus said, don't bother. Because if you're not willing to be hated even by your mother and your father and the people that are close to you to pursue after me, then you can't be my disciple. Jesus was saying, I want to be number one in your life, and I don't even want there to be a number two. Everything else should be so inferior to your passion for me that it pales. See, I'm talking about letting something be stirred up in your spirit again. Hadn't been stirred for a long time. I'm talking about let the fire be lit in you. A passion. Oh, God, I feel it. A passion for Jesus Christ and his presence. Verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The word come after me. I've always just thought that meant, you know, follow Jesus with your cross. But the word, the phrase come after me is a phrase that talks of a romantic pursuit. Jesus said, if you love me, come after me. If you really love me, show me that you love me. Amen. I remember getting a love letter from my wife and reading it 75 times before she was my wife. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Am I the only one that's been there and done that? I mean, I read that thing 75 times like the corners were all wrinkled and stuff like that. I remember talking on the phone. Young people, shut your ears. Talking on the phone until 3 and 4 in the morning and getting up at 6 to go to work. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm not talking about talking about important stuff. I'm talking about, you still awake? <laughs> yeah. I probably should go. I love you. I love you too. Can't wait to see you. 30 seconds. You still awake? long-distance relationship thing. I mean, that doesn't make sense, but it was that passionate pursuit. And, and you'll do some crazy things, man. Some crazy things when you fall in love and when you fall head over heels in love. You'll try to do anything to please him or her. I remember my wife saying when she first met me, she didn't say it to me, she said it in her heart. She said, that's a nice-looking man. He looks good. But those shoes have got to go. <laughs> What's the matter, sweetheart? You don't like wingtips? <laughs> so we're at DSW. We're dating, and she picks out two pairs of shoes. I'm Mr. Frugal. I'm Mr. Like, never buy anything unless it's 90% off. And when you get it at 90% off, you know it's that because nobody else wanted it either. She said, those shoes have got to go. So what I do, I, I bought two pair of shoes. One of them I wore one time. But I'm like, man, whatever it takes. I remember my best friend growing up. I just got to visit with him last week while we were in Tennessee. Stopped by and visited with his family. Some of you met him at my birthday party. His name's Clark. And Clark was a, a great, great young man. And uh, when he was born, his parents were already in their late 30s. And uh, so by the time he was a teenager, his, his parents were in their 50s. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But 
stylistically, they were just older people. And so Clark dressed and combed his hair and all like an older man. And uh, I was trying to be all hip and cool. 17, 18, we got to meet some girls, Clark. Can you please do something about your hair, my brother? I mean, he had, <laughs> he, he had the kind of hair that old people wear, you know, like the comb over. And they would cut it like if you, if you come out of the shower, his hair is like this, man. It's like a comb over. And he, he, he'd get up from the swimming pool and come out and look like skater grandpa or something, you know. Like a <laughs> and I was like, man, let's, let's get some clothes, man. Let's do something. And we went to Bible school together, and he's still wearing his old same hairstyle, wearing his same clothes, shirt tucked in, pants pulled real high. I hope this doesn't get on the Internet. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but then... No matter how hard I tried, nothing changed. But then Latresa came into his life, who he ended up marrying and having three kids with. They adopted a fourth, had three boys, just adopted a girl. And Latresa comes into his life, and I come into the room, and he's got his hair, like, puffed up and uh, combed back, like, more like a bouffant. I'm like, what in the world? What, what just happened? What happened was, what happened was he fell in love. And he was in pursuit. And he was interested in finding. See, I'm talking about falling in love with Jesus. I'm not talking about the routine of religion. I am sick and tired of the routine of religion. You better get sick of it too. Because if you don't get sick of it, your candlestick's going to be removed. Let something be ignited in your spirit. That says, I love Jesus so much, I want to be around him every minute. I want to spend time in his presence. See, some of us, we, we, we get into this deal where we'll watch hours of television and we won't even look at our Bible. And we'll spend all kinds of time with everybody on the planet. But when it comes to spending time with Jesus, we have to force ourselves to do it. Something's got to happen to us, brothers and sisters. Something's got to happen to me, brothers and sisters. I want my first love restored. I want my first love restored. Hallelujah. Traveling hours and hours just to see her for a few minutes. And I say I love Jesus, and I want to ration my time out to the kingdom of God. I'll give you two hours here, but that's it. Don't ask for any more. You can't barely drag yourself to church. It's the hardest thing for you to get yourself to church. You know what? That's not healthy, brothers and sisters. That's not God's plan. I'm glad you're here, but that's not God's plan. <laughs> I'm glad you made it here today, but God wants the joy of the Lord to be bubbling in your spirit. God wants there to be that spirit on the, that was on David that said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You're not going to have to drag me in there. I'm rejoicing to be in the presence of the Lord. My final point is, in, in, in a matter of two minutes here, this is the final point, then I'll wrap it up. Final point. Number four, you know you're in love when you can't stop talking about the one. Man, I, I wish my wife was here to hear all these nice things I'm saying about her. But when I uh, started dating my wife, we didn't date very long and we were engaged. But I was dating my wife and I was having a conversation with my brother, Nathan. He was about to get married himself. And uh, I don't know how the conversation came up, but I do remember... This quote, it was. Uh, Nathan, you know, I, I'm, I'm being serious about this. I have never in my life 
seen anyone that's more that's actually more beautiful than Tamara. I'm not just talking because she's my girl. I really believe that. And my brother said, dude, you need to get out some more. I'm like, what? That's not nice. I seriously could not stop thinking about her and talking about her. And the Bible lets us know when we're in love with Jesus. The Bible says, 1 Peter 3.15, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. There are billions of planets orbiting, orbiting around in the universe. We are human beings. We are on this disc called the earth. Do you have a purpose for being here? Is it just materialism and matter? Or is there a purpose that you have here? Brother Caleb and I were talking last night about sharing with friends that were atheists, unbelievers. What's the purpose of your life? And then Caleb shared, my purpose and passion in life, and I can tell you it's true about this young man. He said, I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in love with my Savior, and I have this one purpose in life, is I've got to introduce him to other people whose lives are empty. And I want something to get a hold of all of us, that we are so in love passion for Jesus that we cannot stop talking about him. That's why I like Brother Ben. He always tells me stories about he's setting people straight because they're talking about life through the lens of an unbeliever. And he said, that's crazy. You know better than that. The Bible says so and such and such and so and forth. And he's got a story every week of somebody down at the retirement place where they're playing pool or whatever that he's talking to about Jesus. God, get it in our spirits that we are so in love with Jesus. That we can't stop talking about her. Sad story I heard recently about someone that I loved and respected who had a moral failure. It means he cheated on his wife. And um, I was asking someone familiar with the situation, intimately with the situation, what happened? How did it happen? And he said, well, he had a busy schedule gone a lot, mama stayed home, got to doing her things, got her pursuit, they didn't spend as much time together, it became mechanical, and here's the phrase, they just grew apart, they, they drifted apart, D.A. Carson said this, people do not drift toward holiness Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. What does drift do? Drift takes us away from a relationship with God and gets us focused on other things. And the question I have for you today is, have you lost that loving feeling? Is there something in you that says, I, I, I want it back? I want to come after him. <laughs> I want to deny myself and come after him with a passionate pursuit. I want to, but the truth is, 
if I was to be honest about my feelings right now, Pastor, I'd have to tell you, I feel apathetic and indifferent. That's not how I want to feel, but that's just kind of what's in my spirit. Spiritual apathy is that point where you simply say, I really don't care. I know Jesus loves me, died on the cross for me, forgive my sins, but it's just, I've drifted. What do you do? What do you do? Our text that we read said, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place. Except you repent. Marriage counselors have people come in. I don't love them anymore. Just, I got to be honest, I don't love her anymore. And the first thing the counselor probably is going to do is say, Did you ever love him? Did you ever love her? Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, I can remember when. When I first met him, we would spend time talking. We'd talk all, all, all the time. Stay up late on the phone. And I remember when he first asked me out. And he says, I remember that letter she sent me. Just, I mean, it touched me. I know I'm, I'm being mushy now. I know some other words, but it touched me. And I, I just remember, I, 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 do, I do recall flowers that showed up at the office. And I, Wait to see him. See, this is what marriage counselors do, and this is what the Bible says that we ought to do. Is first of all, remember. Remember. Remember when you had that passion for the place of prayer. Anybody remember back when you, you couldn't stop reading the Bible? It was just like, what is he doing? Reading this Bible. You remember when your highlight of your week was being together with God's people in the house of God? Can you remember that? When it wasn't like way down on the priority schedule, but it was something that was like burning in your spirit. You remember? Remember? That's the first step is remember. Oh God, I remember when I felt so much passion to work for you. I felt like the sky was the limit. I sensed that your calling was on my life and I, whoo, I felt passion for your presence. I wanted to be there as close as I could to you and Man, when they had prayer service, I was the first one there and the last one to leave. And I just felt that love for God. Got up in the morning, spent time in the Word. You remember? Remember? The Bible says first remember and then repent. God, forgive me. Forgive me for allowing other things to take the place of you. Forgive me, Lord. See, this is one I had to ask God to forgive me for the other day. I said, God, forgive me for going to my dad with my problem instead of going to you first. God, forgive me <laughs> for drifting. I can say I love you and I'm here, but, but I know, I know. And then the final thing it says, do again the first works. If you want to get the spark back in your marriage, start doing again what you did when you were pursuing that person. Can I give you a phrase right now? You don't ever, you're not ever supposed to stop dating. 
you're not ever supposed to stop learning about that person and trying to make them smile and make them happy. When you return to those first works, it may just seem like effort at first. You may not even feel it. You know what I'm saying? Let's go out on a date. Man, I got so much to do. Let's do it. And you do it. You know what? It's really rewarding. Send flowers. Do the things that you did in the beginning. Return to that first works of pursuit and something starts to arc and spark in your spirit. And you feel that passion begin to burn again. I love you, Jesus, so much. And I want to be in your presence. You lift your hands right now. My brother-in-law sent me a little clip last night because my family is in Indiana and they they were at the church's prayer meeting. We had a prayer meeting here last night as well. And during the right before I went into our prayer meeting right back here, Brother Della O, his wife, and others that were there for prayer, I got a little clip from my wife from my brother-in-law that while they were in this prayer meeting my little girl Eden three years old crawled under the chair not for show nobody even knew she did it she crawled under the chair and she was under there doing what she thought she was supposed to do praying and and so he got a little video clip of it and, and I just want to show you because I'm talking about God moving our spirits back to that place where we have a passion for His presence. Where there's nothing else. Oh, what do we got to do today? Oh, I got this, 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 this. The presence of God. Like when you were dating, you didn't care what your schedule was. Forget that schedule. I, I can spend 20 minutes with her right now. Can I please get off work early? And I know that this isn't the Holy Ghost, but I know that this is what happens when your kids are exposed to your passion for God and the presence of the Lord. Can you play that for us, Sarah? I just thought this was so cute. She was just doing what she heard and what was happening around her. But she was imitating what was happening in the presence of the Lord. And I want to tell you that as for me and my house, I don't want to just go to church because it's mechanical. And I don't want to just go to church because I know it's a good thing for a Christian to do. <laughs> but you know what I want to do? for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord I toured a great church in Nashville pastored by Tim Zuniga some of you know brother Tom Durant he and his wife pastor a great church that they started in Temecula and they run over 200 now 
Sister Durance and Tim are brother and sister. They have another brother that's a great pillar in the church there in San Diego. A fourth brother that was out doing his own thing, came back and got saved. There's a mom and dad, and I asked a motto about him. He said, Mama's a prayer warrior. I'm telling you, that woman knows how to pray. She has a relationship with God. And you see the fruit begin to show up in their family and in their children. That's not going to happen through an obligatory attendance to church or just doing what's required. But that happens when that first love begins to burn in your spirit again. Amen. I wonder if we could come up to the front right now for a minute. We could just stand together and come up. If you're a guest with us, you're welcome to come as well. Don't feel any pressure, but come, come down here because we're going to just love Jesus together for a minute right now. This is not just about like a sermon and like playing at your heart and so forth. We're going to do some follow-up things to this. And the, and the number one thing is I've talked to uh, Brother Della O, his brother-in-law, family about helping us as a church, working together with us as a church to help create an environment, a spiritual atmosphere where people hunger and thirst after the presence of God. It's not enough just to come to church and be routine and go through the motions but that passion would be birthed and that fire would burn within us so this this uh, uh, Saturday this Saturday at 6.30 here in the auditorium rather than back there we're going to do our best to have the setup done by 6.30 there's going to be a time of prayer a time of drawing close to God we've talked with others we're going to work together with Brother Della O and have as we, there's already been a passion to have a ladies prayer weekly men's prayer weekly because something has to be sparked in our spirit and I want to go back to the first works that passion man this song says I want you to just close your eyes and listen to the words a couple times it says <clears throat> falling in love with Jesus falling in love with Jesus falling in love with Jesus is the best thing
you would restore my first love. I pray in the name of Jesus that something would happen in my spirit as I begin to make you priority number one like I did when I was first pursuing you, Jesus. I pray in the name of the Lord God that you would give me that kind of passion that says there's nothing else that matters. You're first and foremost in my life and in my family, Lord Jesus. I want your power and your presence and your anointing, Lord God, to rest upon me, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to be right with you, and I want to be full of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you by faith for what you're going to do in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, if you have the Holy Ghost, let the Holy Ghost flow. Let the gift flow out of you. It's, the Bible says it's like a river of living water springing up unto everlasting life. Oh, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Come on, praise him. Oh, falling in love.
some are already doing this. The first point that Pastor shared is that basically you cut off the X, you cut off all of that, you cut off the proposition, and you go into the pursuit of following God. And if you feel that God has called you to that place to say, you know what, I, I've been putting off giving my life to him, and, and like, like Tanisha and Joanne and, and Juan who were water baptized, and they, they took the plunge, so to speak, and they just said, I'm not looking back. This invitation is for those that maybe are contemplating that. They're contemplating whether or not to make that step and go forward in Christ. But I don't, I don't think we should, and I don't think it's appropriate. It's appropriate to, to just move forward and just assume everyone's all right. But together, can we just say I'm going to start off with a clean slate, and I'm going to allow God to do something, and I, I'm going to take myself back to that place where I love him. Would you join me right now? Would you lift up your hands and lift up your voice? Because there's some that are, are really, really pursuing God right now. And I don't want to just move forward for sake of ending this service. But can we do this together, Jesus? I'm making a commitment right now to give you my heart and my life. And I'm making a commitment, Jesus, to change some things about me, Lord, so that I can please you, so that I can know, Lord, that I really love you. It's more than just fluff. It's more than just, just a, a, a First glance and saying, I, I kind of like that, but Lord, I want to desperately just make you happy and please you, Lord. And I am falling in love with you right now. And I ask, Lord, that you would take away every sin, that you would take everything that is stopping me from truly loving you. And if you want to pray that prayer with me, why don't you pray that prayer? Say, Lord, remove the things that don't don't please you. Remove the things in my life that are causing a separation from you, Lord. I know, I know your word says that nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing shall separate me. Not, not sickness and, and not a disease, not, not, not sin, God, not anything, Lord. God, nothing shall separate me. And God, uh, if I believe that, Lord, I'm letting you remove that right now in my life. Would you just ask God, say, God, give me a clean slate right now. Lord, I repent, God, and I walk away from this world. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to let your spirit lead me to a place, God, where there is true love between you and I, I am your creation and you are my creator. God, and I love you. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you feel that God is allowing you to walk in that place, I just ad admonish you, I encourage you to let the Holy Ghost just fall right now. Let the Spirit of the Lord come in and let it give us liberty right now to experience the love of God. We know that the love of God conquers all. It conquers everything. Just let the love of God just rest upon us right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, mighty Jesus. I love you, God. And I want to please you, Jesus. I want to please you, mighty King. Would you sing this with us? Falling in love. Falling in love with Jesus. From the depths of your soul, falling in love. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever done. 
in his arms, in the arms of my God. I feel so much. Hallelujah. the best thing we've ever done is to fall in love with Jesus. As we conclude and as we break away, dismiss, so to speak, before we do that and before we get to meet you in pastor's reception and before we start tearing everything down, I want you to take whatever moment you want to take. Don't let it be pushed by me or the song or the music. Would you just love the Lord right now, wherever you're at? And as the Lord leads you, amen, you break away. We love God, we love one another, and we love the calling that he's placed in our lives. Would you just love the Lord right now in the way that you know how to love him, Jesus?